Hello, I'm Angus Scott and welcome once again to The Debrief. It's great to have you with us. Every week we will be getting under the skin of the major football stories that are dominating your conversations and getting all the latest transfer news. Every week we have the transfer guru Fabrizio Romano with us to give us his spin on the market and he'll be with us very shortly. As ever, journalist Ben Jacobs, himself a transfer expert, is alongside me. Another busy week for you, Ben. I'm in the Marks and Spencers Cafe. For those that are listening globally, it's one of the big branded cafes in the UK. And I'm en route to America to follow Chelsea. So we'll have more to follow on that on the debrief. But if you hear a load of clinking, it's basically lattes being made behind me in the background. Glamorous life you lead, Ben. Uh, <laughs> glad you could join us anyway. Uh, the question we are posing this week is, will Harry Kane stay at Spurs? And just what would happen if the England captain left North London? Well, I'm delighted to say two men who've worn the cockerel with pride are with us. Teammates, in fact, from a golden Spurs era. Darren Anderton, who made almost 300 appearances for the club, and Ramon Vega, who spent four years at White Hart Lane. It's great to have you both with us on The Debrief. Thanks for joining us, guys. Darren, you're over from the States. You're usually living West Coast. Yes, uh, here for a couple of months. I think we try we try and get back, you know, for a long summer. Uh, baby boy Jack is two now, so that makes it a little bit more interesting, shall we say. Uh, always good to be back. Obviously, uh, California is not a bad part of the world to live in, but when I come back here and we're up in London or down, down at the beach in Bournemouth, can't complain. So, uh, yeah, good to be here. Unfortunately, really missing out on the, the season this summer. Not going to be able to watch any games. Uh, it's always nice to pop back into White Hart Lane when I'm back here. Absolutely, which has changed, obviously, rather a lot since since you were back <laughs> then. And Ramon, we've got you off the beach as well. <laughs> yeah, so just that, and I think you're missing the fish and chips. That's where you're missing, mate. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> uh, see, that's where you're missing. Be honest about it, you know. Uh, all these burgers, <laughs> get the fish and chip and a pint, you know. That's where you're missing. Huh? <laughs> There's a yeah, few Irish pubs over there. I'm also just off the beach as well. Obviously, holiday time, as you can imagine. I'm down in Dubai at the moment. So, yes, a uh, little bit too hot for my... Uh, kind of thing, but I'm not going to really complain if I see my mates down in, in England. So it's raining the last few days. So, yeah, I'm quite happy where we are and where I am. Number one. Very good indeed. Um, let's let's ask you a general question, guys. What do you think, Darren? What direction do you think Spurs are heading at the moment? I think they're going forward. I, I, I like the appointment, uh, the new manager. I like the way that he plays football, uh, attacking, attacking. Uh, I think it's been very, very frustrating and almost negative at times to watch the team since Pochettino left. I think uh, Mourinho and Conte obviously both proven winners, but the style of football isn't wasn't really the Tottenham way. And if you're not going to be winning things, it's okay to win things and play in a certain manner that isn't entertaining. But if you're if you're not entertaining and not winning at the same time, then it becomes very difficult to watch. And I think that's the way it's been for the last four or five years for me. Ramon, for you, does, do you see this as a, a positive move forward? Well, well, at least one positive thing was definitely the appointment, without a doubt, because it was a completely shamble the whole season. Uh, There's not even a question mark. I think a lot of things went wrong from the past. He was catching up or being caught up as well in the same time. You can hide 
to acquire the world, but if you start not winning in a scenario and say you're not playing well in the same time, then you've just been caught. Uh, uh, all the mistakes uh, has been done in the past, and obviously, you know, a lot's been talked. Well, I mean, mistakes have been in the tra in the transfer period. To be honest, you have been been done as well. I think the recruitment was a, a disaster the last four to five years. I think even during the Pochettino time, there was also not been thinking forward more about how how you can actually manage the money financially of the club than actually the sporting side point of view. And I think now last season that really been caught up with a major negative uh, play and also with uh, one of the best managers apparently, uh, with Conte and Mourinho, couldn't do anything with this club. So who else can actually take over that club and manage it? That was the most difficult part to appoint any manager. So to appoint Angry, I think, uh, was... Very good, and I think maybe only the only solution, because I don't think any young up talent, potential uh, young manager will come into Spurs because he will ruin his reputation because he saw that with Conte and Mourinho, and Angie has nothing to lose. He's in an age where he already done quite a lot. He's potentially his last chance to manage a Premier League club. And for him, he has nothing to lose, actually only to gain. So you know, I think from that point of view, it was a great, great appointment. Ben, from your point of view, from, from behind the scenes within the club, what do you feel the club strategy is now? Well, it's a new strategy. It's a new era. I think that's the most intriguing thing, that Daniel Levy is a planner. And what we're seeing at Spurs now is a lot of new faces because it's not just Andrew Postacoglu, it's Scott Munn, it's a new sporting director, as well. And Fabio Paratici basically had two roles as sporting director and as a kind of general manager. And now those roles will be split. So you're going to have three senior figures at the football club, of which Scott Munn is only just going to be starting. The sporting director hasn't been appointed. And Ange Postacoglu is brand new and stepping up to the Premier League. So there's pressure still on Daniel Levy. And that's the paradox here in the strategy that Levy says he wants to step back. But he can't step back because everybody else is brand new. And at the same time, your recruitment strategy is over multiple windows. And yet Spurs haven't been able to plan because there's such a big difference between Conte ball and Postacoglu ball that now Postacoglu is looking for ball-playing centre-backs. I'd love to get Ramon's thoughts on that. Progressive midfielders and ultimately a wider kind of play in this 4-3-3 that's going to be far more gung-ho. So everything feels new at Spurs. And I think the only real sign, in my opinion, that Levy is going to surrender some power in the recruitment market is Postacoglu has been able to come in and endorse, for example, a player like James Madison. Vicario's come in because the fee for David Rea was too high. And when I look at the signings so far, it's still early stages, I feel like their starters. Madison's going to start. Vicario's obviously going to start in goal. When I go back to last summer, Spurs bought a high volume of players. It was all very exciting, but a lot of them were squad players. So now they need starting quality. And if everything goes according to plan and they get starting quality and they hit the ground running, we should see some eye-catching football and things will hopefully move in the right direction. Darren, I wonder if you could, you know, if you can move from from one end of the scale to the other. If you, if you think how pragmatic it's been over the last few years with Mourinho and Conte and mm. and Postecoglou is bringing in um, a far more traditional Spurs type of football that that you know you you might have played. 
I think 100%. I think players will buy into it straight off the bat. I think that, of course, when a manager comes in like a Mourinho, you know it, you know, you've got a chance of winning things. Conte the same. You also know that, you know, we all knew that the football might not be as entertaining as Spurs fans would like to see. But when you things go off the ball, like they certainly did with Conte, and of course he was a, a, a taskmaster as well on top of that, I think that you lose the dressing room a little bit. And I think that this is a, a breath of fresh air that the players will buy into. I think that, you know, even with the Harry Kane situation, I think that this gives them more chance of him actually staying at the football club with a progressive attacking football manager like like Anger. Uh, do you want to, Ramon, do you want to play decent football as a player? Or are you just thinking, I don't care how we play, I want to win. I'll, I'll do what I'm told. I'll play it the Conte way. I'll play it the Mourinho way and we win. Or actually, I just want to be part of a decent side that plays good football and we might win something but less likely to win a trophy? Well, first of all, as a football player, you first you go in to win. That's the number one rule, without a doubt. You go on the pitch, you go to win. Uh, and, and of course, when you decide to go to a club, you decided in terms of oh, this team you're going to join, uh, able to win anything as such in terms of a technical point of view, what kind of team match you go around you. Is improving yourself or actually pushing you because I think what's happening, you go to potentially even better team of better quality than you, but that pushes you to to do better and takes out uh, the best out of you. But in the same time, I think as a football player, you go in, of course, and and you are the role is the manager gives you the order how to play, and sometimes there is a clash with the players because sometimes uh, it doesn't suit either system within the players you have in the squad, and and, and if a, and a manager is not flexible to do this, then that's where. I think last season Conte was losing the dressing room. The only thing I need to say as well is also refreshing. Uh, it makes makes a difference when the language, I in this case English, is well spoken in the dressing room. It makes a huge difference to understand and communicate with the with the team, actually with the players. And I think somewhere I think last year with Conte, my gut feeling is the communication between him and the team wasn't as high because well, there's a barrier in terms of communication, in terms of English. His English wasn't as the top uh, because it's Italian. But that makes a huge difference in any club as well. If the language and communication between the team, either players and the coaches there, there's a high, high chance that actually he transmits what he wants to do. And I think this is what Ange now Definitely, definitely, without a doubt. And he's done that Celtic Glasgow so well. Everybody was doubting him when he came to Celtic at the beginning. And he has a certain era in terms of he brings stability. The one part he brings into is stability within the whole group, but also in the time, the mannerism in terms of how he speaks English with the kind of with the troop, with the group. So everybody in the dressing room understands him very well what he has to do. And that that makes a big, big, big difference. And how well did you understand what George Graham had to say? Never the big man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! I tell, you, I tell you what. I tell you what. The one thing I definitely I couldn't understand when I went, when I joined Celtic, the first was what week, time we had to train. Was, uh, absolutely, exactly. <laughs> 
I definitely box the box. I understood when George Graham said box the box. That that's definitely that's the one thing I definitely understood. You know, so that's it. Brilliant. Well, a major part of the success strategy is clearly keeping hold of Harry Kane for Spurs, at least for one more year. Whether he stays or goes is going to be project defining. Well, let's get the latest on Harry Kane's future with our transfer guru, Fabrizio Romano. And I caught up with him a short while ago. Fab, Bayern have been pretty vocal in the last 48 hours about their contact with Harry Kane and his desire to go to Munich, allegedly. What more can you tell us? Yeah, this is the feeling. I think what uh, Uli Hones, the honorary president of Bayern, shared in public is exactly what they feel internally at Bayern. I mean, people who are actively working on the deal. Of course, Uli Hones is a very influential uh, figure into the deal. But in this case, it's important to mention that for Bayern, it's crucial to mention other people who are actively working on the deal, like Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and the other people involved in the story. So they are discussing about uh, Harry Kane, they are discussing internally, they are discussing with Tottenham. But at the moment, what is crucial to say is that their feeling is that the player wants to make this deal happen. So this is the feeling at Bayern, but we know that the most difficult part is between clubs. So deep down, Harry Kane wants to go to Bayern Munich. He wants this move to happen. This is the feeling at Bayern. Yes, at Tottenham, they don't have the same feeling. They feel that Harry Kane is open to consider his future. So if you speak to the two sides of the story, uh, the, the message is different. At Tottenham, they feel that he's open. They know that he's uh, conversating with Bayern. This is something that they know very well. But at Bayern, they feel that he wants to go there. And I think there is a crucial person in the story who is Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel is... 100% convinced that Harry Kane wants to make his move. And he's also pushing a lot internally with people at Bayern, but also with people close to Kane to make this deal happen. Thomas Tuchel is obsessed with Harry Kane, and this is why Bayern are confident. They feel that Kane wants to try this kind of new experience in Germany and to try this opportunity to play Champions League football next season at, uh, at Bayern, to try to win the Bundesliga. So the confidence at Bayern is total. But they know very well that Tottenham are not giving up. And at the moment, the player didn't tell Tottenham, uh, I want to leave, let me go. So he is speaking to Bayern, but he didn't tell anything like that to Tottenham yet. So I think the next days are going to be crucial to understand how this conversation between Kane and Tottenham more than Kane and Bayern is going to is going to continue. Okay, that's fascinating. They've had that conversation before, of course, previously about the Man Manchester City deal, which never happened. Okay, so Spurs have to have a backup scenario. Who would they get in as their number nine? So I think there are many options on the market and now we are entering into crucial weeks for the strikers domino in general. For example, we know about Manchester United and Hoylund. Uh, we know also PSG are looking for a new number nine. Uh, no matter what happens with uh, Kylian Mbappé, they will sign a new number nine. Uh, also, if Kylian Mbappé is going to stay at PSG, they will have a new centre striker. They will sign a new centre striker and Dujan Vlaovic is now the strongest candidate, but not the only one. They also uh, had some conversations with the, the agents of Hoylund. It was a few weeks ago. So this shows how uh, Luis Campos the director of PSG is working on many players. So many top clubs around Europe are working on, on top strikers. Of course, we know about Mbappé and Real Madrid, about this Kane situation. So what I feel is that Tottenham will really, really try to keep Harry Kane until the end of the window, do their best to keep the player. Daniel Levy is prepared to fight. But in case he's going to leave, I'm sure that they will enter into this striker's uh, domino. At the moment, there is not something close with, uh, with any player. What we can reveal is that 
I'm hearing that what the agent of Vitor Roque, the Brazilian striker who joined Barcelona, said in public that Tottenham wanted the player. I can't confirm the figure of 100 million euros bid, but I can confirm that Tottenham tried to explore that possibility when the deal was not closed yet with Barcelona. So Tottenham are already exploring some striker situation, but at the moment it's not something advanced yet. So I think it's going to be crucial to understand what PSG, Real Madrid and May United are going to do, and then Tottenham will adapt uh, to the market. But now, if you speak to them, their message is very clear. Harry Kane is going to be our striker. They are convinced about that. Whether Kane stays or goes, Spurs are on the hunt for centre-backs. Two names in the spotlight are Edmund Tapsoba, Bayern Munich, or Mickey van der Ven at Wolfsburg. How likely might um, one of those deals be? Yeah, it's been, um, I would say, a curious couple of days around these two deals because Tottenham tried to conversate with both clubs, Bayer Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. It's never easy to negotiate with German clubs when they have important players. So Tottenham are uh, very, very well informed on that. And this is why they had negotiations with both clubs. And let me say that this is the style at Tottenham, to negotiate for different players for the same position and then to attack the players they really want. So this is the Tottenham idea and strategy. This is why they are still speaking to Wolfsburg for Mickey van der Ben and they are going to have new conversations with Bayer Leverkusen for Edmond Tapsoba next week. They already have, from what I'm told, a new round of talks with Bayer Leverkusen early next week to discuss about Tapsoba. So my information is that Tapsoba is the option number one. The favorite player at Tottenham is Edmond Tapsoba. But he's more expensive. So it's important to understand for Tottenham if they can find a way with Bayer Leverkusen uh, a compromise on the on the price tag, on the asking fee for a, for a Tapsoba. Meanwhile, they are still negotiating with Wolfsburg for Mickey van de Ven. The negotiation was advancing very well. It was five, six days ago. Then still no agreement with Wolfsburg. Both players are keen on the move, Tapsoba and van de Ven. So I think next week is going to be important to understand if Tottenham can really advance on the Tapsoba deal. Otherwise, they will go and close the Mickey van de Ven one. Okay, well, James Madison is always in is already in the club. But uh, from a goalkeeping perspective, why not uh, David Rea, perhaps, instead of Vicario coming over from Empoli? Yeah, David David Raya was was really really close to Tottenham. The reality is that he was very very close in terms of personal terms. It was agreed. So David Raya was prepared to make his move to Tottenham. He was really excited about that possibility. But then Tottenham were not happy with the situation at Brentford. Brentford always asked for forty million pounds for a player who is out of contract next summer, and they were hoping for Brentford to change their stance when they signed Flecken as new goalkeeper. So they were convinced. Okay, now they have the new goalkeeper, the new number one, and so probably they will reduce the asking. For the asking price. This didn't happen. So the situation for Tottenham was crucial when they signed Vicario because they knew that Inter were going to sell Andre Onana probably to Manchester United and they knew that Inter were prepared to attack the Guglielmo Vicario situation. Vicario was the goalkeeper Inter really wanted to replace Andre Onana. So Tottenham almost had like 24, 48 hours to decide if they wanted to enter into the Vicario story. Otherwise, he was going to be blocked by Inter and ready to join Inter. And Tottenham decided to go for uh, for Vicario because they feel that he's a very good goalkeeper, a very special goalkeeper in Serie A. He did very well. They've been following him for for a very long time and his season in Serie A trust me I follow Serie A regularly was really special this is a very good goalkeeper in Italy we have Donnarumma so probably he's not highly rated in the media because Donnarumma is always there but Vicario is on top level and so Tottenham decided to attack the situation very fast because they had the feeling that Vicario was probably going to end up at Inter in case they didn't attack in 48 hours well, Hugo Lloris is, is on the way out what's the future for him? 
Good question. Uh, his agents are speaking to many clubs. Uh, I think it's crucial to understand in this goalkeeper's domino what's going to happen at Inter because uh, many clubs are looking for goalkeeper. For example, Fiorentina in Italy, Inter in, uh, in Italy, uh, Fenerbahce were looking for a goalkeeper. They had conversations with Keylor Navas. Uh, they were also offered the opportunity with other goalkeepers, but they're signing Livakovic. Uh, so the first part of the domino is, uh, is over. Now we wait for Inter. They are going to close, I think, for Sommer from Bayer in the next days and they want Rubin from Shakhtar Donetsk. But let's see if they will be able to reach an agreement with Shakhtar and Yoris could be an option for Italian clubs. So his agents are exploring the market, but I'm sure that he will have some possibility. And also PSG. PSG want to sign a new second goalkeeper because Keylor Navas is expected to leave. And let's see if Yoris will be one of the options. His agents offered Yoris to PSG. Look, we talked about Caicedo to Chelsea last week. That's still not progressing. It's not over the line. Where are we? No, it's progressing. I would say that it's progressing. Then I know that uh, it's, uh, it's not an easy story to understand for Chelsea fans. They're probably very tired of this story because every single week looks to, look, week looks to be at the same point. But the reality is that they're advancing. They're discussing about the fixed fee. £70 million is what Chelsea wanted to spend uh, as fee up front and then some add-ons to be included into the deal. But Brighton said no, £70 million is not enough to convince them. They want more than that in terms of fixed fee and then some add-ons. So the discussion is still ongoing, but I'm told that it's progressing. I'm told that Moises Caicedo is really committed to this possibility to join Chelsea. He's not negotiating with any other club as of today. So I think next week is going to be a crucial moment because Chelsea want the player to be in the United States with Mauricio Pochettino. They know how important it is to have the player in the preseason. And so I think that next week is going to be finally a crucial moment for this negotiation. And big shock at Anfield, uh, Fab, that Jordan Henderson, as well as Fabinho, I mean, we might have expected Fabinho, but Jordan Henderson could be heading to Saudi with Steven Gerrard. It's very realistic because the player had a conversation with Jurgen Klopp a few days ago and in this conversation Jurgen Klopp was very honest as always. He told him that his game time is going to be limited because they signed Soboslai McAllister and they want to sign one more midfielder. No matter what happens with uh, Henderson and Fabinho, they will go for one more midfielder. So he was very honest with, uh, with the player, with Henderson, but also Klopp told the player, we want an important fee. Uh, Ale Tifak have an agreement with Henderson on a two-year three -year deal, so Henderson is prepared to accept, but the deal depends on the clubs. And at the moment there is still no agreement uh, Liverpool are not going to accept to let the player go for free. Al Etifak were 100% sure to sign the player for free because of his age and because of the player's will to join them. So this is why at the moment the two clubs are negotiating. is a direct conversation between Liverpool and Al Etifak, but I think there is going to be a time limit. So I think in the next uh, three, four days, it's going to be crucial to understand if Al Etifak will offer what Liverpool want. Otherwise, this deal could collapse. Fab, as ever, it's brilliant to talk to you. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Thank you, as always. See you soon. Darren, what do you think is, is the value of Kane for Spurs? I mean, he's everything to the football club. I mean, that's how winning, winning games comes down to scoring goals. I think that's the, the main thing. He's a captain. He's a leader. He's, he's more than a, a goal scorer on top of that. You know, the, the assists he has, the, uh, the way he holds up play. Uh, yeah, he's... He's a leader. He's a fantastic footballer, a great guy uh, that all the players will look up to. The fans adore. So, of course, it's uh, it's so, so important for him to be at the, the football club because, you know, you're not going to find a player to, repla to replace him. There, there's no doubt about that. He is getting older now, so at some point that is going to happen. And, of course, with a year left on his contract, um, I'm sure Daniel, and rightly so, doesn't want to see him go for nothing. So, huge Huge summer for Harry in terms of what he wants to do. A couple of years ago, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to move on. Uh, Manchester City, 
that didn't happen. Uh, I think obviously now with Haaland being at Manchester City, that won't happen again. So the biggest thing for me is, you know, where would he go? Um, and I think the fact that he is a Spurs, he loves it at Spurs. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he wants to win things. I think he wants to be the Premier League all-time goal scorer, leading goal scorer. So that comes into it. That's why I do doubt whether the Bayern Munich thing would happen. Um, and then apart from that, where else would he go in England? So uh, it'll be be really interesting to see. But in terms of can Spurs replace him next year, in the next two or three years, if he were to go, it would be very, very difficult. And this is the ultimate dilemma, isn't it, for Daniel Levy? There's a, there's a man who's got his, you know, he's forensic in his in his financial acumen. <laughs> and he's he's got his star striker worth 100 million quid, burning a hole in his pocket. But actually... If he if he does hold on to him because he wants to hold on to him for the good of the club, yeah. he might lose him at the end of next season for nothing. So I mean, it's a huge decision for him to have to make. Exactly. Well, I think that that's what it all comes down to. When you know this all started, with, you know, back in the day with the Bosman rule and all that sort of thing, you know, it was kind of known that if you come into your last year of your contract, you know, you'd be crazy to sign a new one. Uh, unless the, you know there weren't other options out there. Obviously, it depends on what sort of player you are and what level you were at, but. Uh, it's obvious that Harry's at the level that if he were to go for nothing, it would be ridiculous. I mean, what what an incredible player to get for 100 million, let alone for nothing. So, um, and yes, like you say, we all know Daniel and how wonderful he is with financial type things. That would, um, I think that would hurt him. So uh, it's going to be really interesting what happens in the next few weeks with, with Harry. I, I, something tells me that he would be more than happy to stay. But I think that, Daniel would want to see him sign in some sort of contract if that were to happen. Ramon, do you think okay. they can afford to let him go? Well, afford? Um, yes and no. Uh, you need to... Uh, knowing Daniel, he definitely calculated in this scenario already. So it's not something new came up, you know. When already uh, Man City at that time was coming in to, to buy in, into it. I think that was kind of the first clash on discussion and is he going to leave? Is he going to renew the new contract and everything else? And, so, and I think that little clash might have maybe Kane and the agent and Levy at that time not really had the best kind of uh, relationship because otherwise you would already sign the new contract if that happened at the time. So, in terms from club's point of view, without a doubt, nobody in the world would say no if he stays because a valuable player like him who makes 20-plus goals a season, especially in the Premier League, there's no, there's no way you're going to say no. Of course, you want to have him, you know. But at what cost that will come into it? Now, there's two parts to look into it. From Danny Levy's way trading he's done in the past, the last 20 years, Spurs was never a club buying 100 million like Arsenal and now Declan Rice. Spurs was always a club selling the highest, like Gareth Bell, you name it. All the top players or past went to Real Madrid to the end club, we call it, in this case, to the maximum sell. So I think if Daniel sees now that he potentially can get as much money before he ends the contract because he doesn't want to renew it, he will have to take it because that's business, as simple as that, because he needs to look after the future of the club, even potentially 
uh, Harry Kane might be not immediately replacement. He will be not replaced with any club if Harry Kane will leave. So he will be a difficult one. But at the same time, 80 or 100 million pounds in, 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 the, in, in the club to buy a new club, a new player, it's definitely better than potentially risk losing the player in a year's time for nothing. So there's no doubt he's now Bayern Munich or any club in these clubs. And just to say Bayern Munich are nowhere well. It's a fantastic club to start with, well organised. And of course, Bayern Munich, you have a certainty to win something because they've been from track record point, not just the Bundesliga, but also potentially in Europe, they can potentially win something, you know. So that may be the attraction for him to go into it. In England, I think Daniel will be less happy to do that, to have rival have Harry Kane like Man United or something like that. But then Man United has to pay quite a lot of money, but he hasn't got the luxury to negotiate that because in a year's time he'd go for free. So it's a dilemma, more pressure on Daniel than actually on Harry Kane in this case. So all the power at this point, I think, has Harry Kane. In the same time, we need to see what kind of Harry Kane's personality is going to be now. He's in an age now, which direction does he want to go in his career? Does he want to finish top scorer at the Premier League because he's on the way to do it? And be really, he's already the legend, hero in terms of Spurs. And just say, you know, I'm a one-club kind of player where obviously post his career, he can stay there and maybe do other works within that because he needs to think about that already in that age. That's one thing he needs to think about it. Or he does really, you know what? I want to go out and really experience something new and win something properly and then potentially come back later. That's a personal question uh, uh, he needs to answer. Nobody can actually tell him what to do. But from, from a financial point of view, Harry Kane is definitely, without a doubt, in the pull position. Of course. And you've also got the gamble that maybe he falls in love with the Postacoglu project. And then regardless of anything, if you keep him at the football club and he doesn't drive his way out, Tottenham still have potentially 30-plus Premier League goals based on last season, which they'll need if they're to get back into the Champions League. And a while ago, you spoke of how there's no Kane replacement out there. There's Victor Osimhen, sky-high money, there are players like Jonathan David, Dusan Vlaevic, who PSG are chasing, that are all excellent strikers, and many of them are strong young prospects, but they're no Harry Kane. And when I think of Tottenham at your time at the club and before, I think Jimmy Greaves, Gary Lineker, Jurgen Klinsmann, it's always been a leading striker, a focal point. So is that playing in Daniel Levy's thinking that there's no replacement out there and that the culture of Spurs has always been about these iconic, prolific strikers, and they don't grow on trees. Well, um, can, I, can I answer Ben this word? The other angle Danny has to think about it, okay, is if you're investing to Harry Kane, forget about how much money you may get there now, 100 million quid. I think equally he needs to invest into how much money you may save to keep him for the next four to five year or longer contract, really keep him there. Obviously, the most competitive, let's kind of contract to be given within the market where Harry can roughly refuse because he may have even a post-career contract as well in the same time. 
If he calculates that in, how much money is that compared to where he has to go in the market? Most likely, the risk to go in the market is higher because he might pay high and not working out the strike. He might have to sell it again. Compare one we know already. You know he can score. You know he can fit into the philosophy of, of Spurs already. He might stay there uh, forever. So that's something Daniel has to think about as well. You know what? I'll do that extra mile for once because I don't think he's done it ever. Because the minute he can sell it for a high price, he will do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's, that's business. But in this case, he might have to calculate, in, you know what? I can potentially, for the next five, six years, I don't think I will get as a player as that who scores me so many goals year in, year out. I also ben, think we've already that... heard from Pep. Go on, Darren. I also think that when Daniel first came to the club, he got stung with the Sol Campbell situation where, you know, that that contract ran out straight away within the, maybe the first year or two that Daniel had come to the club. So I think that for me, you know, we all talk about what a, you know, how good he is with these situations. Uh, it really does come down to, you know, either he goes this summer or signs a new contract. I, I don't think Daniel, under any circumstance, could risk him going for nothing at the end of next season. That'd be a hell of a gamble, I think. Well, Ben, uh, we've heard from Fab. Um, what's and what he thinks of of the Bayern interest? What's your understanding of this link between Bayern? Because Bayern have been very vocal in the last forty eight hours, saying that conversations have taken place between the club and Harry Kane. Well, we know that Bayern have gone to the Kane camp and have some kind of buy-in, but Kane telling Bayern he's open to a move and maybe even in agreement with the terms is one thing, but he still has to communicate categorically to Tottenham that he wants to leave the club. And that hasn't happened, nor has an acceptable offer come in. So this is what makes it complicated and it could drag on throughout the window. Number one, there has to be a fee agreed and the buy-in offers that have been to date are nowhere near the valuation that Tottenham want, even if we're factoring in a lower number for a non-Premier League suitor. And then, of course, the second factor is price may go up anyway, because if you're Daniel Levy and you are prepared to sell to Bayern, why not go back to Manchester United and say he's on the market now? And then you get an even higher number because you create a kind of bidding war. But I think the starting position is that Levy doesn't really want to sell and then he doesn't want to sell to a Premier League suitor. But if Kane pushes and Bayern hit a magic number, then there is a possibility that Levy's resolve is tested. But Tottenham's starting position is basically an auto-response rejection to any offers. It comes back instantly, it's turned away, and Kane is, to some extent, going to have to drive the move. But from Bayern's point of view, Early Honest, the honorary president of the club, said in the last 24 hours that he believes they will get a specific number off Daniel Levy, and that if Kane keeps his word, the transfer will come off over the course of the next few days or weeks. So there's a lot of games being played. Tottenham are calm about the situation, but ultimately we have to see Daniel Levy's hand. And I think that's what interests me, Darren. We never really see Daniel Levy's hand in anything. We know how involved he is, but publicly he never really shows too much. And therefore we're starting with the premise here, Kane is not for sale. But if Kane is to go, then Daniel Levy is ultimately going to have to change that position and show that there is a price. And if there is a price, then the Spurs fan base are not going to like that. 
No, they won't. I mean, of course, you don't, you, no matter what football club you're at, as a fan, you want to see the best players stay. I mean, like forever, like Ramon just said, you know, Gareth Bell moved on, Modric moved on, you know, best players in the world, you know, right up there. And uh, at your football club, football fans don't want to see them go. They don't care how much money you get for them. They want to go and watch them every week. Um, and Harry Kane falls into that. So, uh, like you said, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens here. Uh, it's a difficult one to call, really. I, I, I'm really not sure. I think that Harry would be happy to stay. But at the same time, the the lure of winning something has to be there for him. And I think Bayern Munich, because of the German league, it would be an easy option for that, really. And it is Absolutely. a top, top you, football club. It's great. And, and Ramon said what a great club it is. But ultimately, if he picks up a Bundesliga title, well, that's great. He's get, he gets, you know, he's got one medal. But if he if he beats Shearer's record, he might have that record for eternity. He, you know, and everyone will yes. talk about Harry Kane, and that's got yes. to be worth more, hasn't it, than just picking up a couple of Bundesliga titles and maybe gets to the semi final of the Champions League. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree and disagree. <laughs> I agree and disagree, my friend. Uh, Go on then. A title is a title. As simple as that. Look at us two old farts and Darren Andy and me <laughs> at Spurs. We are the one, we, we won a title. Okay, it was the League Cup, but we still can say we won a title. As simple as that. And and I know by meaning, okay, Bundesliga, and I, I don't like to say the call of the farmers and all that stuff. No, Bundesliga is a very competitive uh, league. So because, yes, the Premier League has more money in terms of TV rights and everything else in the last 10 years. But the Bundesliga, yes, Bayern Munich has a little bit more money than potentially Dortmund and all these guys, but they're very competitive. But at the same time, Bayern Munich is a world-class club. Simple as that. Whatever you say or not, if you go there, you're qualified being one of the best players in the world because you're part of Real Madrid, the Barcelona, etc. Okay. Now, if you win the Bundesliga, it's a title, but also the potential of being in the Champions League and going forward. And, that, and I think this is why... I think Hernes, I never, never heard Hernes publicly coming something like that because he's not, he's never do that if he's not certain because they want to win the Champions League. That's why they make a big effort to buy for nearly close 100 million euros a top striker, Harry Kane, because they want somebody at the front to really, really, really do that job in winning that Champions League or at least go to the finals. So that's the Bayern Munich's aim. So... It's up to Harry Kane where he wants to go. Yes, he wanted to be the top Premier League scorer forever. And Alan Shearer said, great. He's done already that, that in the moment with Spurs, with Jimmy Greaves' record and everything else. Well, I think it's an enormous achievement to start with. But if you want to just be known as the top Premier League scorer, it's great. Wonderful. You'll live forever on that. But I'm not sure if you're going to see the titles and you have nothing on it, very difficult. The other part we need to consider as well, they're not going to play in Europe for this season, for certain. It's not 100% guaranteed yet to go be next season as well, to potentially be in Europe. Most likely, yes, if Medanji, hopefully, is doing it, but it's not guaranteed. At least with Bayern Munich, you know, she's an instant, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be at the Champions League. So that it's a sporting, really sporting kind of questioning in, in, in this case for Harry Kane. Does he really want to go outside of English football and show he's really world-class or is he just 
footing for English football. I think we'll know, mm. won't we, when what, what the decision that he makes will be show what his priorities are. If if he stays, he wants Shearer's record. I think I think that that that's basically it. He said, right, yes. I'm I'm a one man club. I just want that record. If he goes, he's gone. All right, I'll be second on the list or whatever. Um, but I I need to go and win a, a title, and I think we we understand that before the beginning of next season, wherever he starts. That'll give us the message. Um, and I, I just wonder how Levy might be with Kane, do you think, Darren? They've had certain conversations, sort of gentlemen's agreements, didn't yeah. let him go to Man City in the end. Right. How, how do you think those, you know, what, what's it like now? And your own experience negotiating, you know, your deals <laughs> don't, at Spurs? Don't, don't ask me, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I obviously when I did have opportunities to move on and then decide to stay. And then, you know, the, the manner in which I left Tottenham was not great. And that was, you know, obviously down, to, you know, something, an agreement between me and Daniel and everything else. That's football. Um, I would imagine that not being able to go to Manchester City would have hurt Harry a while back if there was an agreement in place. I mean, why wouldn't it? Um, so that may, you would think that would come into his decision. And I think also there's, you know, uh, at his age now, I remember when I left Spurs, you know, I looked at maybe going up and playing at Rangers. I think, in, you know, at this point, I want to win things. So, you know, I played for England, uh, 12 great years at Spurs. I, you know, we won the Worthington Cup. I wanted to win more. That wasn't enough for me. So, you know, I was tempted by going up to Rangers. But then I was like, you know, it's going to be four big games up there. The rest of the time, what you know, so I ended up staying and, and going to Birmingham because I wanted to stay in the Premier League, what was the best league in the world. Um, so I think that's what it comes down to now. I think Champions League football, I think Harry wants to play in. So that comes into it. But to go and win the Bundesliga would be, I think that would be very easy for them to do there. And that would be something that he would, that would be the reason he goes, to, to win and be in the Champions League. I think Harry will wants that record. I, you know, he's a goal scorer. I mean, that's what they do. You know, you you have that and that mindset of being, you know, so ruthless within what you do and what Harry does is score goals. And I think that that will be the telling factor for me. I think that he will end up staying in England. Now, where will that be? I think that it will. I think that it will be Spurs. I, I really do. But I think if... There was a, an opportunity to go to Manchester United. Then I think that he might well jump at that. Well, as Harry Kane knows, you can be banging in the goals, but that doesn't guarantee silverware. Spurs striker Clive Allen knows that all too well too. He scored 49 in one amazing season and still didn't pick up a trophy, losing in the 87 Cup final to Coventry. Well, we caught up with Clive recently and got his thoughts on the Kane situation. Harry Kane himself has gone on record this week as actually saying that, that, that they, they need to get back to producing and performing in the way that they did under Pochettino when they had the, the, the most successful period. And that wasn't too long ago. Clive, he's also said, I feel like we've achieved a lot in my career, even though we haven't got the trophies to show for it. Is he right? Oh, absolutely. You look at... Yeah, 
Angus, you look at his record, what he's achieved. Obviously, individually, you cannot ask any more of, of Harry Kane and, and what he's done from coming through as a, a young player at the club, developing himself in, in, in every facet of the game, consistently scoring goals, every level that he was put to, he produced and scored goals. Now England captain, leading the country. Um, he, he has been nothing short of sensational um, Spurs without him now that is a massive question if if Harry Kane was to leave this summer um, how do you replace him again <laughs> another, another, something else to throw into the chaos which which certainly uh, Spurs find themselves in at the moment but you're you know you're quite similar Clive in that look you you're the number nine you're the top goal scorer okay you you are you know getting to finals winning things um Harry has not got a trophy to put in his cabinet. Would you say to him, even though you're a Spurs man, you've got to you've got to end your career, Harry, by going somewhere to win a trophy? Yeah, I would understand that. I think that I think the supporters would understand that as well. If that was if that was his his motivation and that was his desire, I think looking at him now, knowing Harry Kane, having spoken to him not not too long ago. I think there's no doubt that Alan Shearer's record, we talk about goal-scoring records, we've been talking about them at the start of the show, Alan Shearer's Premier League goal-scoring record is in his sights. Um, It's still something that he will have to strive for and over a number of seasons, it's not going to happen quickly. It's going to take probably, I, I feel his current rate, it might take another three seasons, which would mean that Harry would be able to play at the highest level for another three, probably four years to to achieve that. But I think that that might well be his, his biggest motivating force at the moment. Could um, he achieve that at Spurs, Clive? Could he, yes, he could. do that? I think he yeah. could. I think he could. If he if he if he committed to the club, um he's done it he's done it year in, year out, Angus. We've seen that with his records, the way that he produces every season. Um, and the numbers that he's produced, there's no reason why he couldn't do that at Spurs. And, and knowing Harry as you do, do you think if he could be the Premier League's top scorer, that would be uh, his defining moment, even if he didn't have an FA Cup, a League Cup, uh, a Champions League trophy or, or or a Premier League trophy, if he went to a, a United or a City, he, he would be comfortable having going down on the record books as the Premier League's top scorer. Um, I think he would. I think I, I would. I would be very surprised if he, he hasn't thought through all those scenarios as well. Um, yes, there's no doubt he would love to win an FA Cup. There's no doubt he would love to win a Premier League title. Um, he, he's the highest goal scorer for England, and to follow that up by being the highest Premier League goal scorer, which, in all honesty, Angus, I would find very unlikely, if impossible, to uh, to repeat if he goes over. Shearer's 260 goals, then I think that um, it's very unlikely that anyone will ever do that in in their Premier League careers um, in years to come. Clive, can I return to Erling Haaland? Describe oh, if you him have as... to, Angus. <laughs> <laughs> Just describe describe him as a as a striker, as a, as a modern day striker, and and what he has got that so impresses you. Um, fundamentally, everything, everything you would look for in a atypical centre forward. Um, I think he has physicality, pace. He is good in the air. He has a great awareness of players around him. Um, he's a lefty, as we said earlier in the show, which always, for some reason, 
Um, makes a player look even look elegant, even his yeah. size, the way that he runs and carries the ball. Um, his now involvement with, with his teammates as well, bringing players into the players' awareness of what's going on around him. Um, and and obviously the the, the, the million-dollar uh, bonus is that he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net, whether it be left foot, right foot, header, or whether it just hits his backside, he's in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, it just about has everything that you would want. I think if you're looking for a centre forward, Erling Harwood, Erling Harwood is, is the perfect example. And he gives Man City an option that they've not. Well, he would give any any team the the option that you know that that some sides do not have. Well, that, that's right. I think um, you know if you if you swapped Harry Kane and Erling Haaland. Harry's developed his game, adapted his game in many ways, but they they both give their teams something that other teams crave for, and and that is that guarantee of goals, the 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 art, the knack of, of, of putting the ball in the back of the net, given chances. If you want it, if if you're playing for any team and you want it to fall to any player, um, if you've got Harry Kane and Erlen Haaland in your team. You, you've got a very, very good chance. It's ending up in the back of the net. Not many, not many managers and not many teams can guarantee that. One other thing, Clive, which I think is quite intriguing, is just mindset. You come off the back of that phenomenal season, then you head into the next season, and of course, everyone suddenly has a much higher bar and expectation. How did you handle the following season? Because looking at your career numbers, the season after that, very respectable numbers, very average compared to the rest of your career. Getting into double figures is a great feat for any striker. But no doubt the following season, everyone said, Clive Allen's going to be close to 50 goals. No doubt next season, everyone's going to say, Erling Haaland should be scoring 100 goals. So what's it like the season after when that expectation is so much higher? Yeah, great question, Ben. It was. It was It was as if um, whatever you do that next season uh, doesn't compare. It was always going to be very difficult um, and it will be for Erlen Haaland next season. He won't be worrying about that or he won't be thinking about that. But it, it, it's, just a, it's just a natural reaction. Um, the, the public's expectation, the city's fans' expectation of what he's going to do next season... Um, will be immense and it will be very, very difficult for him to, you know, to, to do that. If, it, if he if he returns 20 goals or 25 goals next season, for me, that that is a, a, an incredible response off the back of what's been probably the season of his life. And, it, and he, I would I would think um, he would find it very difficult to return the 55, 56 goals that he's, he's going he's gonna, to um, amass this season. Well, Clive didn't win silverware, as we've heard. Uh, scored the first goal in the at that eighty-seven Cup final. Never got his fiftieth, although he he tried super hard. Mm. But you two guys, as you have said, won the League Cup, which was then called the Worthington Cup in ninety-nine. I think it was dubbed the most boring final in history. Now, Ben here, all right? Are you, is, are you is, saying is, that? <laughs> Uh, no. How I, dare can you say that? You know, how dare? The night out after was better than the game, for sure. Was I it? missed the two, Darren. Ben, with a with right yeah. away, with a broken ankle, I'm doing that. I was himping around the dancing floor. <laughs> well, Ben is a Leicester fan, 
All right, I can't so believe we brought up this final. I, <laughs> I know. So Ben was there and and suffering, although remembering more of it than I do because I I've sort of wiped it from my memory. Although look, you know, you as you say, you got a medal. That's what matters. But do you do you remember that anything of that game? Because it was, um, you know, one of the more ordinary finals at Wembley. Let's say. <laughs> I think so. Is I that think, because um, you lost? There was a few things that happened, yeah. <laughs> I mean, remember Robbie Savage doing the Robbie Savage things and getting Justin sent off. Remember yeah. that? I remember Justin the fact Edinburgh, that, yep. yeah, uh, you know, one of the best guys you could ever wish to meet, uh, Justin. The best, one of the best lads ever yeah, come in sad. contact with my, my life. So that's a, very sad when you always bring that up. But um from that point, I thought, okay, back's against the wall. But Leicester actually just sat there and still let us have the ball and cut, like, were like, come and break us down. They want, they were happy to go to penalties or go to extra time and then on to penalties. So it was a really strange feeling. And, uh, you know, Stephanie was had a magic run down the right wing and Alan Nielsen did what Alan Nielsen does. And um, a terrible game, a wonderful end to it for us to win a cup final with a last minute winner is sort of thing you dream of uh, and it just it and the fact that George Graham was there a winner being our manager um, summed it up really not a good game yeah. we won and that's that was you know that was George although that season we played a lot of top top football and uh, you know loads of entertaining games and that one wasn't one of them but there was another <laughs> moment Another big moment, and I remember this as a Leicester fan because obviously I was hoping it didn't happen, and that was a certain Mr. Ramon Vega prior that, yeah. to the last-minute winner by Tottenham sliding in desperately to deny Emil Heskey. Emil and had he not done so, I would be celebrating another <laughs> Leicester trophy. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm very, very sorry. You know, I'm very terribly mm. sorry. I, I can show you the medals, you know, how it looks like. By the way. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of, I'm polishing it so much now because Spurs want nothing for a long, long time. Because it I, I looks like it's going to be a rarity, you know, to be honest with mm. you, you know. But I have my <laughs> memories to that game, just going back as well. As I say, that's one of the tackle there. But the pain... I was going into that game. I remember I was like painkillers during the whole week. And I think I remember that we were on semi-finals on the FA Cup as well. We were playing yeah. Wimbledon about two weeks back to back. And Wimbledon playing yeah. is like high balls, <laughs> jumping, jumping all the time. We played and them five times in a month. It was the worst yeah, month of it, football. It was, absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely nuts. And the final, I would not even think to miss it. I, was, I couldn't even walk during... The training session. They said on Sunday's the game, and I had no clue at that time. I my ankle was broken, and I said I just have to go to that final. Whatever happens, just give me any painkillers possible. And it was the most painful kind of final I had. But with the whole adrenaline and, and excitement, and that day, you know, eighty thousand at Wembley was great to go out, you know, with the team in the atmosphere. You just don't feel that anymore. You're just completely in your zone. You just want to go out and play. And I remember, especially that tackle against Emil Heskey, just standing up after that, the pain in my ankle. <laughs> Nobody knew 80,000 people outside that actually had that broken ankle. What my inside, I was nearly dying. And I said, George Grant, mm -hmm. please, I need to get out. But we were like 
And then five, ten minutes later, Alan Nielsen done the one there. We won the one, a one nil. So for me, it was mm-hmm. definitely without a doubt one of the most painful final, but very worth it. Every single pain I went through that 90 minutes. Because today I can show you two the medal. <laughs> and did you actually know, Ramon, that it was broken beforehand? And and had you had an Absolutely X-ray or anything? Not. No. It was, it was I'll be honest with you, that's the story. So I didn't even, I was scared even to go to go an X-ray because the doctor would say, forget it, you're not gonna play with this. So I was like really tipping and just go through it. Oh, I got a lip pain, just rub it up and everything else. But when I went after the game, we had the national team on Monday, Tuesday in Switzerland. I need to go back to Zurich. So I went to an MRI interview. After the MRI came back, the doctor looked at me and said, are you nuts? What do you mean? That bone has been nearly three weeks broken. I'm not sure if you are ever going to play football again. Uh, so at that time, from the height, winning the League Cup, to next day, straight to reality. Pretty much, mm-hmm. Frankie's saying, I had no clue if I'm going to play football again. That's what the doctor was saying. Because the bone was so old, already broken, and because you push it and push it and push it, we don't know if it's going to go back together. Okay? So it was definitely, without a doubt, a painful final, but worthwhile at the same time. Lucky enough, I got back, and I started saying, you want to go to the Rangers? I was lucky to go to Celtic. The one, the treble. The treble, my friend, the Celtic, not the Rangers. You go to Celtic to win something, you know? <laughs> Darren. So I was very lucky then oh, joining them. Don't you miss being in the dressing room with him, Darren? Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> That's why we ain't going to Dubai. That's why we're going to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Darren, man. Right, right. Oh, turn Darren. our attention back back to Spurs. Um, Madison, James Madison, is is one of the big signings that has been made uh, this close season. What do you make of that signing, Darren? Uh, brilliant game changer. Can win games on his own with ability. Uh, we've missed that since Christian Eriksen left the club. And he is, yeah, he's he's a Tottenham player. He's got, you know, he's gifted. He's, you know, wonder wonderful talent. Uh, makes things happen. Scores goals. Makes goals. Uh, great signing. Really looking forward to seeing him in a in a Tottenham shirt. And the way that Ange Postecoglou plays, um, Ramon, looks like certainly another central defender, um, a ball playing centre half yes. is is going to have to arrive. Yes. Absolutely. When you when you followed a little bit of Celtic, is it was brilliant to watch Celtic. You know, sheer football, very positive. Every single player on that pitch was very positive going forward. Everybody has to play the football, whatever happens, whatever position is. Even a centre back has to be in a centre midfield, whatever it is. He has to play that football, and that's something Angel Basuwa would definitely, without a doubt. Uh, bring to Spurs, and that's what Spurs needs. That's what we want for them, you know, entertainment football, and that, and it's definitely that. But the other part, it does give an enormous freedom to the players, like Madison and all these guys, where you can just go out there, go into the pitch, and do your job, given the trust, not having that kind of oh, you, you can't go left, you can't go right. Yes, tactical, you have to be a have some organization and skill, but in the same time. 
let them play his talent. And I think this is Andrew Pascal. He definitely was very good at Celtic. He, had, he really brought some quality players in as well at the same time, who actually plays the system he wants to do it. But also at the time, he lets them play the way actually their strength. And that's where he's very, very good. And hopefully he can do that and, and, and make it that Spurs as well, the same. On the centre-backs, Fabrizio obviously earlier touched upon some of the targets. We know that Tottenham have been chasing Tapsoba, Van de Ven as well, and even Arabayo at Fulham could be a possibility as well. So I think it's obvious that Tottenham are looking for this kind of modern, progressive centre-back. Previously, they've even explored Max Kilman, not on their radar at the moment, but another player that grew up playing futsal, very good under pressure in tight spaces and maybe what put them off is just the fact that Kilman ultimately hasn't had as good a season last campaign as the one before but he certainly told the kind of target Tottenham are looking at historical interests in Milan Skriniar who's gone to PSG Bastone who's not available from Inter and it sort of struck me Ramon about that position versus your time at the club because now every time we talk about centre-backs they almost have to be able to assume duties of a central midfielder. They have to be direct in their passing. It's not just about crunching tackles and winning aerial duels, although the latter is part of it. But when you were playing, what kind of guidance did you get on the role? Was it just about being big, physical, sliding in, aggressive, playing games, standing on winning headers or was the position starting to evolve in your time to be more composed and ball playing or didn't you really get trained with any of those qualities we, we, those days the game was completely different you know I, I remember when I came from Italy the time to, to Spurs and in Italy it was quite uh, obviously you play from the back as well quite a lot in terms of you know in playing when I was trying to England at the time the English football was that kind of the long ball, the first long ball is let's get the first the strike as a target, then the second ball will coming up like to Darren and all these guys, you know. So for me that was new because that kind of the first ball goes to the, the strikers instead of really passing in the back. So that was the football at that time we played. Uh, compared now, of course, the last 10, 15 years, of course, a lot of change, you know, these playing out of the back, uh, starting with the Spanish national team where we were successful, and everybody's trying to copy somehow around that. Yes, in some part, I would say it's great, but at the same time, it has to be efficient and you need to have the players to do that. Because if you don't have that, then and then you are counterproductive because you don't, you, you're, you're trying to put the system in place where you don't have to play. So... Yes, if you ask me now, you need the centre-back. He wants to play from the back. So, of course, you need to have a player where he's skillful who could potentially join the centre-midfield player in the same time. And now the time was uh, King. King was an original defender, uh, not the defender, he was a midfield player. You know, you remember that at the time. So the he then time, slowly, yeah. slowly got back in, in the defence. But he was a centre-midfield player. So that's what the day is actually more looked into it. A centre-back will plays also as a centre-meter player with a vision. Darren, I just wonder if you saw your centre-half coming towards you, you'd start panicking. Rather than running in the opposite direction, you think he's going to lose this, I'm going to have to tuck him behind. 
If it was Ramon, maybe, yeah. But <laughs> Ledley was all right. <laughs> but I think it's about getting the right balance, isn't it? And, it, you know, defenders should be defenders first and foremost. And, you know, you being a player, you can work on that and you know, doing the right things. Don't take risks. You know, when you look at the, you know, the Tottenham team in the last five years, for Tongan and Toby Alderweireld, brilliant defenders, but so good on the ball as well. And that's what made, you know, the team was then built around that. And I think that uh, that's the main thing. Different managers play with different ways. When Glenn Hoddle came to the club after Christian Gross and George Graham, you know, he's looking for a, a different sort of defender. You know, he brought in Goran Bunjevic, who was more of a footballer than, than a defender. So in terms of the style of play that we played, it was great. It was fantastic. But defensively, we were still susceptible to giving away sloppy goals and, and not being good enough defensively. But the style of play that we had, because we had those players who were so comfortable at the back, Ledley and Goran, was was different class. I wonder if either of you guys have, have had the chance to listen to Deli Ali's uh, interview recently with Gary Neville um, and how difficult a, a listen that was, but how open and frank it was and, and your feelings to what Deli's done. I think it's amazing that he, what he's done. I think that... Uh, Fair play to him. He's going to help a lot of people. Um, very sad to listen to, of course, to see such a, a wonderful talent going through bad times on the football pitch, but to know what he went through in order to, to get to that point in the, fir- in the first place. And, you know, people always, when someone like that is, you know, going through a bad spell, want to talk about, you know, he's doing this or he's doing that or he's, you know, he's partying or whatever it may be. Um, but people forget that we're all human beings uh, and, you know, we've all come from different walks of life. And, you know, when you get into that changing room, it's, it's a special place and, you know, there's a lot that goes on in there. Um, and when you, there are many ups and downs within a career for many different reasons. So to see him really struggling, firstly on a football pitch, has been really tough to watch because what a, what a footballer, what a talent. Um, and then to listen to that was, um, you know, really, really sad, but, proud of him for doing it and uh hopefully he gets better and gets back to what he's all about and that's being a, a wonderful footballer and that it helps other people who have gone through or are going through similar situations well it's a it's a super sensitive issue and uh, he's handled it amazingly bravely if we just round off by going back to where we started and the thought that will Harry Kane stay at Spurs? You've sort of said, Darren, that you think he will stay. That that this is his place, and that Premier League record, goal scoring record, is what he wants more than anything. Yeah, I think so. I think that that that's my gut feeling on it. Um, knowing, you know, I know him a little bit. It's played a bit of golf and that sort of thing. And he's just a, he's a good guy, and he loves. Spurs, you know, it's a wonderful place to play football. Um, it's a special place. Uh, of course, he would love to win more. And and this football team, that on the, some of the teams that he's been involved in, should have won uh, something. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but that inner belief in himself as an individual to be the, the best player he can be, I think that that record will be very, very important to him. And something that I don't think anyone thought would be attainable. And he's got a really good chance of doing it. So that is my gut feel. I feel like he will stay. And, I, and I, of course, I hope he does. 
And very briefly then, where will Spurs finish with Kane? And where will he they finish without Kane if he were to leave? <laughs> wow. I'm going to say they're going to be top four with. And I'll, they might well be around eighth if he goes. If he goes. Ramon, if I can ask you lastly that very same question. If, if Harry Kane stays, where does Spurs finish next season? And if he goes, where will they end up? Well, if he stays, okay, first of all, if he stays, <laughs> I, 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 I believe most likely he might go, unfortunately. And I think it would be good for him as well. I know, okay, the top scorer in England, that's great. <laughs> if you want to be aimed at, that's great for him. I think he most likely goes over to Bayern or, you never know, it's last minute Man United. So go back to your question, if he stays... Yeah, then the aim has to be top four. That's what Daniel wants to do because that's the reason why they're recruiting that level. If he goes, top six. Ben, for you, the, the you know behind the scenes, the feeling is what? Marks and Spencer. <laughs> the Wi-Fi has gone pear shaped. <laughs> no, the Wi-Fi is back. I was Man, muted. Put another penny in the meter. And actually, yeah. if you're muted and you try and speak on a podcast, I think you have to drink as well. So I'll be ordering a cup of tea yeah. straight All after right. this one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But I think, look, Tottenham are calm about the situation. They have to be because it's sort of concurrently a resolve it with Kane situation and a negotiation. And if they weren't calm about the situation, then Bayern or another suitor would have all of the control. But we should point out that Tottenham are likely to put a lucrative new contract on the table for Kane that he can ponder over the course of the window. So this isn't just about... Do they sell him or not? This could still be about what can they offer him to try and keep him at the football club for longer. And because there's January as well, where they could get a fee mid-season, I still think that Daniel Levy will try and keep Harry Kane and hope that they start the season well. And Kane's goals will obviously help that. So buying a bullish, but the big thing for me that we need to understand, which is very important, is ultimately how high will buy and go? Because if this was only Manchester United and it was only 100 million or more, you would say there's a realistic chance that Levy ultimately sells because the money's important to Tottenham. But I don't see Bayern going to 100 million. I see them going to somewhere in the region of 80 or 90 million euros. And that is significant because if they do not hit a number, then Levy will be more comfortable saying no. And then in terms of where Spurs may finish, with Kane, I think that it will only be fifth. Sorry, Darren and Ramon. <laughs> it will only be fifth. That's not revenge because you beat Leicester in the 1999 <laughs> League Cup final. Well, well at, least, think... at least Leicester can watch a Premier League, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. Very, very well that's, said. That's, that's, all that's all the coffee, mate. It's on me, by the way. <laughs> but go no, look, go get think... you... I think it's going to be fifth, uh, even with Kane, simply because the defence was very leaky last season. Postacoglu is new to the Premier League. I think that Liverpool will be better than Spurs. I think that Man City will be better than Spurs. I think even Chelsea will be better than Spurs. And then you've got to look at Newcastle, Manchester United. I think fifth will be a building block, but they'll be close. 
And if they're close, I don't think that will be terrible. Uh, without Harry Kane, I think they'll be bottom half of the table. Oh, bottom half. That What a bomb. There's a brick. Well, there, bang there is bang a brick. Cancel <laughs> the cappuccino, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no soya milk. No soya milk. No sugar. <laughs> Cancel it, mate. Told. It's, done. it's done. Switch off, mate. <laughs> show us, show us your medals, uh, dear. That is your football debrief. Many thanks to our guests this week, Darren Anderson, Ramon Vega, and Clive Allen. As always, our thanks to Fabrizio Romano for dropping in. Remember, he'll be here every week giving us his spin on all the big transfer dealings around the world. And you can find us on Fab Substack, on YouTube and all your usual podcast platforms. Uh, ben will be back. He'll be allowed back in next week, but um, we'll make sure Ramon's not here. Otherwise, there could be more trouble. Um, but but it thank you. It depends if he pays the Starbucks. Me too. <laughs> uh, dear, thank you all for listening. If you want your football talking points discussed, you'll find we do that every single week with the game's opinion makers. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.